and the KTAR News app. All right, talking economy and backed by popular demand, our resident expert on retail, Kristen Bentz. Kristen, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Um, as soon as I saw these stories, and now you and I had been text messaging back and forth about some of them, this morning I knew it was something we needed to talk about. Can you explain what's happening with the Amazon sales that are happening right now, the advent of this layaway stuff? What is all of this telling you is happening, and how long is it going to go on? Okay, so when smart retailers or big retailers like Amazon and Walmart start following what we call transfer payments, Okay, that's government money, um, SNAP benefits, EBT recipients, people that are on food stamps and the like. That's when you realize something is very wrong with the economy. Okay, so two things that leapt out at me that you and I were discussing earlier is when Amazon starts creating a special promotional membership to Prime Mm -hmm. for those recipients, they're following the money. Okay, and remember everybody's money is green. And so people that follow the economy will kind of turn their nose up at folks that are receiving benefits. But when they realize how many people are receiving SNAP benefits, EBT, food stamps, et cetera, that's government money. So if you're smart, you'll start catering to those consumers, which is what Walmart has already been doing, but now Amazon is. So there's a special discounted membership for those folks. And then now they just started implementing layaway, which is shocking to me and interesting at the same time. So that shows me the consumer is broken and they're getting their dollars early before holiday. We'll get into that in a minute. So for Prime Day, they're introducing layaway, which is such an interesting concept considering where we are in the economy right now. Yeah, it's fascinating because I was a layaway kid. When we were when we were young, we bought stuff, school clothes, Christmas presents. My mom and my grandmother at Kmart layaway was just a – Oh, yeah. That was the way it was when we were kids. But I never thought of that. I, it, never, it wasn't even a concept for me for an online purchase. Absolutely. Yeah. And layaway was such a, you know, throwback to the 70s and 80s. And it was such a like an interesting vehicle and the associations that come along with it. But now Amazon's making it look like it's a normal thing. So when you start normalizing and, you know, we did this with all of these different like, um, you know, uh, paying situations where you can, you know, pay over time. Right. And that's become kind of a new thing as far as a tech perspective with paying for things. Now they're making it, they're normalizing it. So that shocks me. And it's also very interesting at the same time. Now these layaway products, there's no interest charged on this one because they don't get the product until after. So it's not like you're using a credit card, right? Correct. Correct. You're just, you know, paying over time, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it's so interesting when, you know, the, the world's largest retailer or the United States largest retailer starts using that. Something's wrong. So what does it say when you have online retailers like Amazon, A, starting so early with sales for the holidays and doing what they're doing now? What does this say for brick and mortar places, retail, walking into the holidays? Well, here's the thing. So the good news, because I often bring you bad news, the good (laughs) news for the consumer is you are going to see probably one of the most promotional holidays you've seen in like 15 years. So retailers are still trying to get rid of all of the product that they received um, that slowly arrived during the whole supply chain issue. So they have a glut of product. So companies like Nike are trying to flow through. Target, we saw what happened with them. Walmart. So they need to clear this product before the holiday product arrives. So you're going to see deep, steep discounts, especially in electronics. So that's great for the consumer. Um, Brick and mortar retail, not so much. So they're stuck with all this inventory that they had. Now they're trying to go through it to receive the new goods for holiday. And they're going to have to deeply discount everything they have to clear it 
in order to get rid of the holiday product that they're receiving. So are we so going to see some retailers struggle this holiday? Are we seeing sales now to clear the shelves and then we're going to see sales again getting closer to the holidays? Well, that's why, you know, October is the new Black Friday. Yeah. Right. So that's why you're seeing Prime Day in October. And then Target stepped up their deal days and now Walmart. And so literally October is going to be your whole holiday Black Friday situation. And then by the time we get to November and December, then I think you're going to see even steeper discounts. So let's say that I'm going to buy a 70-inch TV and a wireless surround sound for my house. When's the time to do that? Today. Today? (laughs) Right now? You're looking at all all the deals that they have on Prime today. Okay. If you're a Prime member, you will see significant deals on electronics. But it's not just Amazon. That's probably the most pronounced. Yeah. Um, But definitely, you know, Target, Walmart, Best Buy. I would definitely start looking um, Costco, et cetera. Um, Those electronics are just going to be completely blown out. Two years ago, I didn't do any online shopping. And now I think Amazon spends more time at my front door than I do. Oh, yeah, definitely. We had this discussion, and you were this late shopper. Uh, Look at you now. Yeah, it's crazy. As much as I can, I shop online. Before I let you go. beaming with pride. (laughs) (laughs) You led me to the light. Um, So before I let you go, this uh, the story about a rail strike is rearing its ugly head. Apparently, the rail workers union did not agree with what the plan was or the offer was that was backed by the president. So there may be a rail strike. If that happens at the time that it might be happening, what does that do for consumers and supply chain in the U.S.? Well, the first thing it will do is going to cripple this country. So we can't have that. And they did reject that deal. And people don't realize how dependent we are on the rails. Um, It's absolutely vital to the supply chain. Now, apparently the first inkling of a strike, they've said, will be after the election, which I think is stupid. I think they would have more bargaining power if they did it before. But I think November 15th, 18th-ish is when the union said that they were thinking about striking. Now, that's prime time for Christmas goods and holiday delivery and stuff like that. So um, that will be a nightmare for everybody, for manufacturing, for consumers, for retail. Excuse me. So I think that's going to have to be handled sooner rather than later. But if so, those goods are even going to be harder to find. So you definitely want to start shopping before that Thanksgiving, Black Friday um, holiday week. And as we see uh, prices going up still with inflation still increasing, those will lead to higher prices because shipping costs are going to go up. Even if they get a settlement, they're still going to go up. Well, exactly. Like, look what we saw with um, the pork crisis, right? And everything that happened in China and Thailand during that whole COVID crisis. People had to use rails, like, you know, luckily for them, but they also had to charter their own planes, charter their own cargo ships, et cetera. If you can't depend on the rails, you're going to have to air freight all of that. Mm -hmm. And we have a trucking issue, too. Like, don't get me started on that situation. So it will be the perfect storm um, for a very rough holiday season if that should happen. Well, you're always a ray of sunshine, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) I get that a lot. I know. When people want to follow you, uh, how can they follow you? Sure. Follow me on Twitter at Kristen Bench. That's two eyes. Um, and but then not in a row. Me on Instagram <laughs> at Kristen C. Bench. And no spaces, no dashes, no official Kristen Bench. Just me. I have one account. If you're getting DMs from me, hmm. it ain't me. All right. And Bench is B-E-N-T-Z. B-E-N-T-Z. Kristen, as always, it's great talking to you. I look forward to doing it again really soon. 
Thanks for having me. All right. That is the Blonde Reaper, Kristen Bentz, with the news on the economy. And it's always great information of why the sales are happening now, who should take advantage of them, and uh, great, always a wealth of information. So uh, it's good to have her on. In a moment, um, we're going to talk about the border because it's a big issue, Prop 308. We also are going to talk about shipping of migrants across the country. All that's coming up in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM in the KTAR News app. want to invite you to subscribe to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. You can do it right now on your iPhone, your Android. Very simple to do. Never miss a minute of the show again. And want to thank my friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley for sponsoring the podcast this week. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Um, want to talk a little bit about border issues and what's happening in New York um, because local officials say New York City schools already are overflowing as migrant children are set to enroll. It's unsustainable. Um, I am torn here, and I want to be very honest about my feelings. Um, as an American, I am proud of the standard of living that we have created for ourselves, but also our standard of living that we have created for anybody that's here. Um, I was just at – It was. I'll give you a great example. I've talked about my friend Michael before who owns a couple of restaurants in town. He owns Christos and Alexis and a big catering company. He is an immigrant to this country from Albania. He speaks Greek. He is a big part of the Greek Orthodox Church and one of the people that volunteers and helps put the Greek festival on, which we I went to this weekend, took my mom. And it's so much fun to go every year. So we happened to go out. Michael was there. Um, so I got a hold of him ahead of time. And uh, um, said, hey, are you there? He said, yeah, come on out. So we went and just I wanted to show my mom what a great Greek festival is here. And so we walked around with Michael. He bought us a drink. Then he took us in and there were all of these pastries, these Greek uh, Easter bread and all of these great pastries, baklava and other things, uh, filled up two bags with food, wouldn't let us pay for a thing the whole time we were there. Um, and uh, he said to me, I, I said, you can't pay for all of this. He said, you're in my house. This is my house. When you're in my house, I take care of you. And I thought, you know, I'm the same way with people. And, and I think there, there's an honor in that, the ability to and, and, and to have the responsibility in your own mind that when you're in my house, you're my responsibility and I'm going to take care of you. Um, so I, I believe in that as an American, as an American principle, that uh, we as Americans treat people on visas here in this country, people that are visitors to this country, we treat them with our constitutional protections. I'm a big believer in that. I look at children who by no fault of their own are caught in this, especially the children. The, the adults are different. And when you come into the country illegally, I, I think there's a different set of standards for you because you've, you've broken the law and you know you've broken the law. But children don't. Children have no choice. They go where their parents take them or they go where their parents send them. So I'm torn on this issue. But if you look at Arizona schools and the amount of money that we are spending and the amount – the huge classroom sizes we have, um, is it hurting American children to have children from – that are in this country illegally? Is it hurting their education with uh, English language learners and class sizes? And, and so there's a concern there. And New York City is saying this. This is this is me just echoing and saying now we need to think about Arizona. If New York is saying our classrooms are already overflowing, so it's unsustainable to have these migrant children coming here. Why is not the rest of the country looking at Arizona and Texas and saying what's going on in your schools? What's happening there? 
And I think it's a great question. We're going to talk more about schools later on specifically, but I thought this story was something. But here's something that makes me crazy. This is politics in America at its ugliest. How many of you out there, show of hands, unless you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel, but show of hands. How many of you out there are on the side of saying we should not be using people as pawns and governors of Arizona, Texas, and Florida should not be flying migrants across the country or busing them across the country and using them as political pawns? I heard a story this morning in the news about there's children getting off of these buses. We, uh, so some of you are in agreement it's the, wrong, it's the wrong thing to do. Here's a story from the Daily Caller. President Joe Biden's Department of Health and Human Services is behind secretive flights of illegal immigrants or migrants, teenagers that landed in Orange County, New York on Friday. According to the the Republican Party from Orange County in New York, the two flights originated in El Paso, Texas, which had been overwhelmed by an average of 900 illegal migrants each day. And so the Department of Homeland Security denied any involvement, but HHS didn't respond for comment. So let's go with the narrative for a moment. Would you be equally as outraged if Health and Human Services were flying people through in the dark of night? Unannounced flights that are just showing up in New York. Does it outrage you just as much? Or is this what's happening because people, El Paso, Texas is overwhelmed. El Paso, Texas is overwhelmed, as are many other places on the southern border. And when I look at this, I say, you know, we should be looking at this and saying, what do we do to solve the problem? Um, Prop 308, not going to solve the problem. Prop 308 is not going to solve the problem. Now, I will tell you, when I look at the issue, we're going to talk more about this specifically in the coming moments. Uh, We're going to shift to that topic. But when you look at Prop 308, it would put a Band-Aid on an issue, but would it solve the problem? And the answer is no, it wouldn't. We are looking at being overwhelmed at our southern border. We are still trying to figure out as a society what is the most humane, legal, fair way because it's never going to be fair to everybody. What is the best way we can think of to deal with the issue of the dreamers? Because we haven't. The DREAM Act goes back to presidents, to the Obama administration, and we have not solved that problem. And yet – The border situation as it is, is making it worse than it's ever been, has made it worse than it's ever been. And we're doing nothing about it. So we take a shift. We shift in a moment to Arizona schools. Should they give in-state tuition to migrant children? Also, why are Republicans running for school boards across the country all of a sudden? The former Vice President Mike Pence is talking school choice in Arizona today. So it's a topic we'll take up here in just a moment. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Thanks a lot for being with the show this morning. A uh, big topic is education. As a matter of fact, the former Vice President Mike Pence is in Arizona today, along with Governor Ducey, talking school choice and the expansion of the ESA program or the Empowerment Scholarship accounts, uh, better known as a voucher, but it's not that it's not a voucher, but that's what it's known as. So the ESA expansion has happened. It's available to all our students in Arizona. Critics of this program are saying that um, it is going to cripple and take millions and millions of dollars out of the public school, and it's going to do harm to the public schools. Proponents one of which I am, are saying it's going to breed competition. If your public school is doing a good job, then parents are going to keep their children in public schools. That's what this is what parents want. Parents want competition 
and they want excellence in public schools. There is a reason why the NFL is the juggernaut of a league that it is around the world. Um, it is the way they set up competitiveness, that are, and they're they're struggling with some things right now. You know, as far as um, quarterbacks getting hit and concussion protocol, but they're a juggernaut because they're they believe in excellence. It is what have you done for me lately? You can win a Super Bowl one year, get fired two years later. It happened right here in Arizona. The coach took a team to the Super Bowl in Arizona. No one ever thought that would happen. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it was a fantastic Super Bowl. NFC champions and the Arizona Cardinals went on to a Super Bowl that they could have won. They were in it to the very end of the game. And a couple of years later, that coach was fired. Why? Production wasn't there. And it happens they already fired a couple of coaches. Well, I'm not saying we're going to be that cutthroat in what we do in education, but what we need to do is set a standard for excellence. I believe all of us agree on that. There should be a standard of excellence that is set. Yes, we should pay teachers what they are worth. There's no doubt in my mind that that's true. But you're never going to get people to go along with increases in pay unless there is increases in accountability and excellence. I don't know of anyone. I really don't know of anyone. As a matter of fact, let's go back to the NFL analogy. Even the NFL saw that paying people based on potential and not performance is not good for the league. When they were given rookies these huge contracts and seasoned, proven veterans weren't making that kind of money, they reversed how they did their things with contracts so that you've got to prove yourself in this league with rookie contracts before you get big money. Now, some people say it's fair. Some people say it isn't. But that's so that seasoned veterans and proven players can earn big money and new players have to earn that kind of Respect and dollar. So when it comes to education, we need excellence in education. You look at the basis schools, which are so highly rated nationally, not just in Arizona. Why are charter schools so popular? Why are people homeschooling their children? Why are people doing the things they're doing with education? Micro schools. Why is private education something that's so sought after? Why is it that when families have enough money that they can pay their taxes so that the public schools stay open and pay tuition at a public school that they send or a private school? that they send their children to a private school. Academic accountability and excellence. That's what they're paying for. Well, we all deserve that. I mean, I think we all feel that way. And the public school system hasn't always been in the condition it's in now. Let's recognize that. You go back to the founding of America. You go back to the early years of America, and we were looked at by the rest of the world as the most educated society on the planet. The way we educated our children was revered around the world. And it has gone by the wayside for a multitude of reasons. We can argue curriculum. We can argue about all of these other priorities that have shifted. Some of it, I believe, is true. But we still have to somehow get back to excellence. And we haven't. So there's a story that asks about parents. It talks about parents across the country, Republicans running for the school board. It talks about being divided by race. It talks about political ideological uh, races. It, um, it, it's such an interesting thing to talk about. Um, now you're talking about bias and um, um, where they are cutting people out based on political ideology. Uh, politic- uh, conservatives win wins can lead to new prior- policies and critical race. Uh, culture wars on board. Well, this is how it all started. I mean, let's be honest. Parents were going along their merry way, believing that their children were being properly educated in schools. And they were finding out later on that they weren't. And when children weren't learning how to read, it was the child's fault. And in many cases, it still is. And I'll say this to all parents. I don't care how good or bad your school is. If your child gets out of high school and cannot read, that's your fault. 
That's on you. How do you have a child that goes through all those years, K through 12, and can't read, and you don't know it before they graduate from high school? So let's start there. I'm not letting anybody else off the hook. You know, we all talk about everybody jokes around about their ex and everything else. I will tell you that uh, you know, I have you know an ex-wife that um, works with and my kid, my girls work with their children and learning is something they learn at a very young age. I got to give my ex-wife credit for this, you know, and, and we've had our differences. But when it comes to the grandchildren, when it comes to those kids, whether it's sensory boxes at a very young age or learning their letters and learning their words and all these other things, they started to learn at a young age and learning was fun from them. That's something that was ingrained in them when they were very, very, very small children. Credit to their mothers, credit to my ex, because that's something that they did. They made sure that those kids were early learners. Now, my oldest grandson is in a basis school. Education is taken seriously. Now, they don't have a lot of money, not coming from a very wealthy background at all, working class, parents work. And so excellence is achievable, but you've got to seek it out and it's got to be a priority. So these school board races, it's interesting to me now that there's these studies going on. Republicans are running and it could lead to biases on school boards. Well, that's why they ran in the first place. You know, when you see the bias, I, I guarantee you. Um, now, we've we've seen in schools and sometimes it is the extreme, but the extremes are what make headlines where teachers are replacing the American flag with the pride flag and having kids pledge allegiance to the pride flag. There have been teachers that have had Antifa uh, things up on the walls in their classroom. There have been overt statements of anti-Trump and anti-Republican sentiments. All of these things are true in schools. They've all happened. I guarantee you the first time a science teacher stands up and says that Trump won the election and it was stolen from him that they're going to want that science teacher fired there's a big uproar right now at the university of florida because of who might become new leadership at the university of florida so there is and always has been and probably always will be a fight about political bias in schools now all of a sudden republicans across the country have said we're starting to run for school boards and i'll say this and i mean this uh, with respect but i sincerely mean it shame on republicans and the republican party in arizona for ignoring school board races for the decades that they have they have not paid attention to them as a party they haven't paid attention to them you go to conventions and you go to big events that involve republican leadership and, and and important people in the republican party and fundraisers and every candidate on the planet sets up a table and they want you to vote and they want to talk to you about what they're running for and whether it's a primary or a general election they all have that there no one ever ever makes room or consideration seeks out and asks school board candidates or a multitude of school board candidates to get together and have a table set up and talk about their platforms. It's just not something the party's paid a lot of attention to until recently. And what we've seen after COVID-19 and what was happening in schools with curriculum and how parents were treated being called domestic terrorists for showing up and showing their displeasure, uh, parents have decided enough's enough and we're going to start running for school boards. Now all of a sudden the stories are being written that say – Well, now there's going to be a political bias, and now it's going to affect this. Well, it was political bias that drove those parents to run for those school board races in the first place. It's not being created now. It's being pushed back against now. Not in every district. I wouldn't even say in the majority of districts, but enough that have made headlines. You go look up what happened in the Scottsdale Unified School District, and you tell me by looking at that you think parents were treated fairly that dared disagree with what the school board was doing.
Coming up in America in, in a moment, we're going to talk Mexico, and uh, they are filing a lawsuit in an Arizona court. Why did the state, the nation of Mexico, file that? We'll talk about it in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, ninety two three FM, and the KTAR News app. You know, we talk often about crime and punishment here on the show. And again, thanks for for joining me for a few minutes. Um, And I found this story fascinating. You can uh, I believe this was. Yeah, this was from it's an it's an AP AP story, but I believe it came off of uh, KTAR.com. The Mexican government has filed another U.S. gun lawsuit Monday, this time against five U.S. gun shops and distributors. It claims are responsible for the flow of illegal weapons into Mexico. Every American should be insulted by this. You realize that Mexico's border problem has become our border problem, that Mexico has done nothing about the cartels that live in their country. As a matter of fact, the new data that's out that showed the infiltration of cartels into the highest levels of government in Mexico. There are really good people in Mexico, just like there are really good people in the U.S. And the good people of Mexico, the good, hardworking, family-oriented people of Mexico, the vast majority of the Mexican people are being held hostage by the cartels and the power they've created through their drug trades and their human trafficking in our country. And what they've done with that power and influence is buy weapons, but they've also bought politicians and police officers. The highest levels of policing have been corrupted by these cartels. Go back if you want to see a history of what's happening in Mexico right now. And it's unfortunate. What's happening in Mexico right now, go look at what happened in Colombia in the 1980s. The Medellin and the Cali cartels. Pablo Escobar and the empire and the army he built. Pablo Escobar did a couple of things. He enriched himself. Then he empowered himself with weapons. He bought politicians and then he bought off neighborhoods. He went into parts, poor parts of the country. He built homes for people. He put in soccer fields for people. They either feared him or they loved him. And he built an empire where he actually was bombing government buildings and killing government officials that disagreed with him. He had so much control within his country that when the U.S. under George H.W. Bush was going to try to extradite him into the U.S. where he would spend time in a real prison in America, he negotiated with his government to build his own prison, which he did, and lived like a king. So you see this happening. So the fact that the Mexican government is going to sue American gun companies, the the Operation Fast and Furious story we've talked about on a multitude of occasions that was led, led by alcohol, tobacco and firearms here in Arizona and the boots on the ground here in, in Arizona fought back about how that was done. There's a lot of theories of why. I personally think it was to make gun shops look bad and irresponsible in Arizona, and it backfired on them. When one of those guns, and there were a couple of thousand of thousand rifles that were brought into Mexico under the eye of leadership of ATF, they disappeared in Mexico and no one ever said a word. The Mexican government wasn't notified. The American government wasn't notified. At the time, the director of Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano, wasn't notified according to her. That this ever happened until one of those guns showed up at the scene of a murder of a Border Patrol agent, Brian Terry. And then it blew the lid off the whole story. It was then deemed classified as a national security risk, and the files were sealed by former President Obama before anybody could find out how far up the food chain this knowledge and orders were given. 
We have got 70% of the nation's fentanyl is coming through the border in Arizona. Whether it's coming through a port of entry and snuck in that way, or it's being muled in by people that are coming into the country illegally. What is happening at our southern border is a disaster. And I will say this, and I mean this with all due respect, and it, we, it should be noted, the number one trading partner with Arizona is Mexico. Mexico is a huge partner of the United States. The USMCA, the agreement between the United States, Mexico, and Canada, giving us borrowing and negotiating power around the world is a fantastic thing. We should always, and I believe will always, have a great partnership with Mexico as a nation. There's no doubt about that. And we need to make a clear distinction between what I believe and I know a lot of people from Mexico, good, industrious, hardworking people, family-oriented, hate crime like you and I do people. So you can't say Mexico or Mexicans. You can't. You are talking about a beast in the cartels. You are talking about a beast that is consuming more and more of goodness in that country. They are either scaring people away from dealing with them or bribing people onto their side. Or the third option is killing them if they won't do either. And we've got to look at this. But the fact that this is happening, it says we are suing them because clearly there is a pattern. We contend that it's obvious that there is weapons trafficking and that it is known that these guys are going to our country. Well, then you should shut down your side of the border. We have a problem with people coming here from Central America because Mexico has a problem at its southern border. They have to traverse somewhere when they're coming from Central America. There is a reason why nations around the world know that if they can get to Mexico, they can get to the U.S. As far away as communist China, as far away as Russia, as far away as these other countries, they are making their way. Cubans now, because the wet foot, dry foot rule has ended, Cubans are finding their way to Mexico and walking their way into the U.S. That's what's happening. And for the Mexican government to sue gun dealers in the U.S. should outrage all Americans as the ultimate in hypocrisy. We should always be an open door to good people that want to come here. We should be that shining city on the hill. We should be. But the idea that we are the cause of the problem at our southern border, their northern border, is a slap in the face to every one of us. And it's something that should be dealt with because what's happening is we are lumping everybody together instead of making the the distinctions we should. And it's hurting everyone involved, especially the good people. Just after 10 o'clock, your final days are here to register to vote. We'll give you significant dates about voter registration and casting your ballot for this November's election. We're going to talk about a couple of propositions that are very important on the ballot as well. So it should be an interesting part of the show coming up in just a few moments.